Welcome in to episode number 19 for the I Am Ready podcast. I am Jay Sparks. I am the entrepreneurship coordinator here at Ready, and I am pleased to welcome in uh, my esteemed guest host, co-host, hostess extraordinaire, and partner in crime, Lisa driscoll Hoxby. Hello. Hello. Have you fallen down today? Did no. No, I did not. I mean, I should have written all these things down. The good news is they are recorded, so on bad days when I am nothing of those things, I can listen back and think at one point I was doing something right. That's right. Maybe. Well, you know, we do a little clip out, so maybe the clip out from this episode will just be my introduction <laughs> from, for, for my co-host, Lisa. Um, no, we're super excited to be here, super excited to uh, find more things, more exciting things to clip out of this episode and share with people, um, as well as maybe... Some other super secret special things happening in the room as well. We'll just let that sit. I like to just, that's called a cliffhanger, folks. Uh, that's a lead, uh, something like that. I don't know, there's technical terms, I'm sure. Um, and the person who could probably tell us some of those technical terms, Brandy Harmon is joining us, Yay. who is a hub client and currently serving here in-house as a marketing specialist for Ready. Yeah, trying to, You're trying to. Not Doing trying my best. to. Do or do not, there is no try, right? That's what Yoda says. So we're we're doing it. We're doing it. But uh, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast. We like to talk a little bit about something that's not super exciting and fun and sexy to the general public, which is economic development. But the way we do that is by trying to learn a little bit more about the people who are involved because people are great and people are cool and fun and all those things. So we're going to try to learn a little bit more about Brandy in that way. Yeah, I, you know what, I've heard that from a number of people who said economic development is not sexy and it's not fun, and I'm like, I disagree completely. This is, this is interesting stuff. It's cool to be in the mix. It's, um, it's important to be making things happen, so I don't, I don't know how it's not cool. I think it's cool. Okay, well, we're, we're going we're gonna to find out more about how it's cool, and so I think the first question we'd like to start with is, tell us a little bit about Brandy. Tell us where you come from and why you end up in Columbia and what brought you here and all those kinds of great things. Well, I think I'm just the typical story. I mean, everybody's like, oh, well, I came to the university. So I got my undergrad. I'm from Wichita, Kansas, originally, around there, and uh, went to school there. And first generation, very proud of that. Um, and so went to school um, and, then, and then got my first job in a tiny little town of 5,000 people uh, and learned all kinds of things about ag that I didn't know I didn't know. Uh, Like when you see, like what those big forks out the back of a truck are, what they're for. Yeah, that's hay bales. That's what that's for. Didn't know that till I was about 22. Round bell, not square bell. Of course, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, duh. And then you stick the, let's see here, you have to have muck boots, right? But you don't want your muck boots in the cab of your truck, so you stick them between the bed and the truck upside down. You hang them in. Um, so, yeah, I learned all kinds of really interesting things in that one year I spent in a tiny town. And then I said, I'm going to grad school. <laughs> <laughs> and so I came to uh, Mizzou, started working at Mizzou first in, in public relations and marketing and then started part-time grad school. So did the J school thing, uh, got my master's there and kind of kept on going from there in marketing uh, at universities. Went to Columbia College, worked there, taught for six years full-time. 
I still teach college courses, um, but I love owning my own business. I love helping small businesses succeed. So after a couple of years of teaching at Columbia College and through my coursework, having my students help small businesses on class projects and things like that, I kind of said, you know what I really, I get kind of sad when I lose the small businesses. So every semester I'd start with someone new and that was great, but somewhat I wanted to just keep helping them and I couldn't. Um, and then also when you're working with a student in a particular course, you can take that business with those students part of the way and then you go back to the beginning again and you take them a little bit of the way and then you start over again. And so at a certain point when I was ready for another change in my life, I said, maybe I'll just help them myself. Maybe I'll just go out and do it myself. Um, I still do it with my students in the classes I teach, but I like to be able to be a little bit more hands-on again as well. So that's where I am. That's how I'm here. Oh yeah. And then, you know, you go to grad school here and then you just stay. So <laughs> you meet someone and you stay. So I met someone and I stayed. And so it's now many years later and I'm still in Columbia. I don't see any reason to leave. So it's a good place. Absolutely. So first generation college student, entrepreneur, there can be a lot of internal and external resistance to both of those things. So as you look out at the landscape of some folks who are considering maybe being that first generation college student or a baby, they do have an idea that they really want to say, I think I can make a business out of this. How, what do you tell them as, as far as facing that inner voice or those exterior voices and then how to overcome them? Yeah, the, the uh, you know, there was a very loud external voice for college. Um, my parents didn't have degrees. Uh, they valued it heavily. My dad worked in a university setting his whole life, his whole career. He knew the value of education and he always told us that it wasn't about being smart. It was about doing something that was hard and sticking with it till the end. And that proved something to people. And he was right. I mean, my dad write a lot about a lot of things uh, you know how it is uh, when you get older you go oh yeah that was probably right too and so that was the external voice always I didn't think I was probably bent toward education anyway curious by nature I love learning I was always the person that at the end of the summer I was like transcribing the cartoons because I just wanted desperately to go back to school <laughs> and write things down and all that so I loved that anyway I was I was at you know, I was geared toward it, but I was, had that external voice. So I think having a cheerleader and someone telling you it's important is kind of crucial. I mean, you can have that motivation internally sometimes, but having someone else tell you that it's important is helpful. It helps you. It motivates you. Um, so, yeah, so that was a lot of the external voice. I was internally motivated just because I loved it, and I was geeky and nerdy always. Um as far as starting a business, you know, it's funny. I, from the beginning, was like, nope, not going to do it. I like stability. I like knowing where the money's coming from. I like having a paycheck. I'm never going to do it. My brother owns businesses. My sister owned her own physical therapy clinic. So she's a physical therapist. She has a business degree. You know, so it was, 
grandparents. I mean, I can just name all the people surrounding me that had their own business. Um, and my dad was kind of like, he was the stable one. He was the steady Eddie. He was the breadwinner, bread earner or breadwinner. And he was, that was his focus. And so I sort of saw that and thought, well, that's what I'll do too. Um, and then at a certain point, I just kept thinking about more things I wanted to do and ways I wanted to. And so I just kind of scratched the itch. The big thing internally was to realize that no decisions are the last decision. Mm -hmm. That's huge for me. And someone gave me that advice when I bought my first house. I was in my 20s. I was about to buy a house and I thought, oh my God, am I old enough to do this? Am I big enough? Like, am I big enough to make this decision? And I turned to a friend of mine and she goes, Brandy, if it doesn't work out, do you know what you do? And I said, what? Sell it. <laughs> and I went, that's it? Yeah, that's it. Like, that's, that's as hard as it is, right? And so I think having that mindset when I bought my first house and realizing that person was so true, that was accurate. That's what you do. If you can't, if it's not right for you, you make a different decision. So I think that's another thing with entrepreneurship. You go, okay, I'll try this. If you can't make it work and it doesn't work, you know what you do? You make a different decision and you change. And that's the beauty of it is that you, you don't have to be stuck. Um, and that for me, because I was raised in kind of a black and white, you know, this is how it works. And that was my mindset. And, uh, and realizing that was incredibly liberating. What did you want to be when you were growing up? Oh, a teacher. <clears throat> oh, okay. Um, but I thought I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher. So I went to college you know, a very, very first generation E in that I saw teachers, they had degrees. I figured I like school, I'll be a teacher. So I spent a lot of my high school, you know, volunteering with kids, tutoring, all kinds of stuff. And then I went to college and I was like, oh, yep, got to start those education classes. And my dad said, Brandy, do not choose a major. Don't choose a major. Go in and explore. Because uh, he was raised in, you know, he was in an education setting, so he knew sort of these things. So he said, go explore. So I took a career exploration class, and uh, and I sort of tried to rig it so that it would come out as education. <laughs> so, like, I tried this explains to... <laughs> so much, baby. This explains so much. <laughs> so I tried to rig the assessment to make it come out education. I remember some of the things that came out were like, I don't know, like drill sergeant, and like other things like that. But I thought, huh, really? Um, those make sense. But, <laughs> but so I was like, forget that. And, and lots of things came up. Of course, communication is high in there and all kinds of other fields that absolutely align with who I am and what I'm doing. But I was like, forget that, what do they know? And so, I took my first education class and you go to a classroom and you observe and I was in a kindergarten classroom and by about the third and you went every week and by the third time I went in and I was like we are still on the alphabet oh my god I'm gonna die this is awful 
I am so bored. <laughs> and that's the point at which I said, okay, I'll, I'll look at some other options. <laughs> education is not for me. Turns out education is for me, but I, I'm much better at the college level than I am elementary or, or anywhere in there. So, yeah, still education, um, a roundabout way to get there, but definitely <laughs> not an elementary ed teacher. Fair, very fair. Oh, <laughs> that, those kindergartners, they were just not up to snuff. <laughs> they couldn't get it fast enough. I mean, I was ready to move on. They couldn't even read the syllabus. Really. <laughs> <laughs> All that child development stuff. I mean, good grief. Well, now that I look back on it, actually, as a mother, uh, you know, it's amazing and it's fascinating to watch from a, a mother point of view and to see how they grow and develop and how crucial all those steps are. Uh, but yeah, lost on me at 19. Uh, <laughs> no idea why that. any of this was important and seemed a little too slow for my taste. Love it. <laughs> so tell us about how you happened on the hub. Yeah, how did I? That's a great question. I'm not sure how I did. <laughs> I probably Somewhere between deciding that you didn't want to teach kindergarten and today you walked into the doors of ready. Maybe, maybe your good something. friend Jeff. Yes. It I, was, you remember for me. I, I'm here. I'm here for you. <laughs> I'm here for exactly you. exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, so I had this great guy, Jeff, that I worked with. Um, he owns Rapport. And also, also help clients. Also, yes. And he he said, you know what? I'm at a crucial point in my business. I I like the way your brain works. Come meet me. And he said, meet me already. So I said, oh, okay. I don't know anything about that, but sure. You're right. That's exactly how I got connected. Wow, your memory's better than mine. So Jay and I chit-chatted, had a great conversation. It, it's always fun to talk to Jay because he's just such a great, um, or, you know, talk to Jay because he's just like he's got this excitement that he brings to it right and so I was having this meeting with Jeff and then Jay's there and it, it was just like I left on cloud nine like I was just so excited by ideas by what was going on right I met with Jeff a couple of times and I was like I kind of want to be part of this thing that's going on um so I sat down, you know, with Jay and, and filled out the paperwork. And um, it was a great starter conversation because I was pretty early on. And I wasn't sure what I was doing. And I was pretty sure I was just going to go get another job. Uh, and it took me a good year into having the business before I realized I actually owned my own business. Like it was, You do <laughs> have that job. You just <laughs> yeah, like I was like, oh, I, I do. I am doing this. And it really is happening. And then, of course, you go into the hub and you meet Curtis, who, um, you know, who welcomes you with just everything he has and is so giving. And it was just like a shot of adrenaline. I mean, it just kept happening. Every time I entered the hub, I was around people who were thoughtful, smart, engaging growing things, making things, um, it was just, it fed my soul in the way that education always has, that exploration, that curiosity, that, but also to like the nth degree, like to be around a whole bunch of other people in the room who are 
just like me and that they're super excited and they're just jazzed about new ideas and they get all pumped about it. I don't find, outside of the hub, I don't find those people, right? So like going about my daily business, I'm sort of like the odd duck in the room who's kind of like, you should calm it down a little bit, <laughs> you know? Sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just like, <clears throat> wow, just so excited about the ideas. And, uh, and that's what I found in the hub. So that's what kept me coming back was just like that sort of a drawing of me. We talked a little bit about economic development at the beginning, and you talked about how, you know, hey, this is actually kind of fun and interesting and, and that kind of thing. And you've gotten um, a chance to not saying that nothing you've done before with economic development, because we, we touched so many areas in, in, in the community, universities, academia, uh, town and gown, all these kinds of pieces. But now with the marketing specialist position, you've kind of gotten to like peek behind the curtain a little bit. What's been something either fascinating or interesting that you've learned that, that Ready was involved in or that, that you've engaged with with Ready that you were just like, wow, I've never really, never really anticipated that? I think it's probably just what you said there in that it touches so many different aspects of what's going on in the community. So one of the things I love about marketing public relations is that it's always or usually should be, I think, behind the scenes, right? There's that person in the background who's making everything on the front look seamless. And it looks like nothing was hard at all. And instead there's someone back there who's the duck with the feet paddling under the water and just going like crazy. And making connections between A and B and E. Right? Like you, you're like, how the heck did you get from A to E? Well, there were some connections in the middle. And I've always loved that. And that's exactly what economic development, what Ready is doing, is they're the connections between all these things that don't seem connected. You know, whether it's, you know, whether it's bringing in the educational aspect of economic development because that's huge right we're, tr we're training people we're getting them to learning to think we're helping them to be successful parts of a community and of an ecosystem or you know um, I think I went to a quarterly meeting and, uh, and it, Swift Foods was highlighted and I remember thinking wow the work that went into making sure that this organization saw the value in this community, but also wanted to come in as a partner and work together and how the connections happen between A and B and C. You know, I mean, like that whole connectedness that nobody knows is happening, is happening. Mm -hmm. It's just happening through an organization called Ready. And they're the ones that are putting all the pieces together, you know, connecting all the pieces, making sure that that the right hand knows what the left hand is doing. Sometimes I try to, um, but I love that behind the scenes work. That's my favorite. So it's cool to see it in a, in a place I never saw it before. Cause I always saw it through marketing, through public relations, those kinds of things. I've never seen it through this lens at this level. And that's super cool. That is super cool. And we're very lucky that you're here with us now helping us to tell our story. And I know that's one of the things that you pride yourself on that makes you that differentiates you from maybe some other folks in your field is the power of storytelling and not just telling a story 
not just being curated curated with a story, but telling your story. So really getting to the heart of what each individual business that you work with does and making sure that you can help them make those connections. So tell us a little bit about either um, a great uh, a great example of that or maybe a little bit about your process or, or how you came to be that this is this is my thing. My thing is helping folks genuinely tell a their story. Well, I think uh, it, it really honestly, it's funny I use that word, because I think honesty is at the key, is at the heart of it all. I'm extraordinarily honest, and I have a, a North Star. I just do. I, I have a gut feeling on what I know is right. There are definite wrongs and definite rights. It's not that I'm a black and white thinker even, um, but that I know where the truth is and I can spot the truth. And sometimes that means teaching a business what's important. So I can talk to one of the things that I just kind of learned over time that I was able to do is someone would be telling about their story. And I, I it kind of honed it when I was in PR. So I get someone prepped to go on TV or whatever to be interviewed. And I'd train them up and I'd say, okay, let's talk about this. Give me, let me give you some talking points, you know, let's see how you do. And they'd start talking and I'd be like, nope, 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 not the story. Nobody's interested. (laughs) And then eventually they'd say something as an aside and I'd be like, that's the story. That's the part that people care about. And I think it's just one, it's being honest and being willing to say that to someone um, to say, oh, I do value you, and I think you have an amazing story. It's just not the three things you said before. It's the fourth thing. That's the thing that matters. The second piece of it is that I'm genuinely just kind of an intuitive person. I don't know how I know some things or why I know some things. You know, uh, some people will be like, oh, it's the Enneagram. You're this kind of person, or they'll talk about all these different ways to all I know is that I have a strong sense of this is it. That's the thing. And some of it is from reading other people, um, being in tune with people's body language, what they're not saying, where they're standing, how quickly they move. You know, I mean, there's just a million different cues we get. And you have to be willing to listen to them all and then make a judgment. And that's what I do. So I think that's what I help my businesses with is figure out what the thing is that people really care about people don't care about x y or z they care about that fourth thing you said and that's what resonates and let's double down on that you talked earlier about you know pr being kind of invisible right and the only time people talk about pr is when it's going wrong right that's the only time people <laughs> crisis, are discussing crisis communication to be <clears throat> right. very specific yes, yes that's that's the only time people out in public talk about pr is when someone's doing crisis communications yes you know and so when that happens for anyone if one of your clients or you even get to see it happen i mean we we it happens often in in, in political and even in large-scale corporate pieces that when, when things Government are happening. organizations, <clears throat> absolutely. Yeah. When you see that, what what goes through your mind and, and how do you think about those spaces and, and, you know, how would 
Brandy Herman Communications step in, what would what would something that would happen there that if you were, you know? You know, I was really lucky. A couple of months ago, I had someone out of uh, St. Louis actually come come to me and say, "Hey, found you on LinkedIn. Went through Public Relations Society of America to find you. You know, as an officer, we wanted to find someone who knew about PR. We're not from around there." We realized the hard way we need someone who understands the Columbia media landscape to handle some things for us. So I had a great conversation. It was really, um, really very helpful. Everything went well for them, whatever. Um, but the thing about it is, is that, you know, I'm constantly dissecting it. I mean, he, my poor husband. I mean, he does it now. I mean, he, he like, we watch the news and I'm like, oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> so I'll critique. And I'll critique from both sides. I'll critique from the point of view of the reporters and say, oh, that wasn't the question. Should I ask this or whatever? Or that was a softball, you know? So I'll critique it from that side. I'll critique it from the side of the person responding and say, oh, no, you just should have said it like this. And then it would have <laughs> landed better. It would have made more sense. I think sometimes we get into such an adversarial kind of role, them versus us, that we forget that neither one is the important person. And in fact, it's the public or the audience that matters, right? So instead of talking, I always tell people, you're never talking to a reporter, you're talking through a reporter. The reporter is the vehicle to go to the audience that matters to you. And they know it too. The reporter is telling stories for that audience as well. They care about the public too, right? So you're kind of in it together. Now you you set we set each other up to be adversaries. It doesn't have to be that way. And if you're true, if you are honest, if you're doing the right thing in the anyway, the crisis communication becomes much easier when you're just not doing anything wrong. So <laughs> don't do anything wrong. And if you're not doing anything wrong and it appears as if you are, then we could talk our way out of that and we can figure out how to get there. Now, when you're doing something wrong, I got solutions for that too. But one of them is stop doing the thing that's wrong. Right? So uh, my crisis communication is more like, you know, crisis communication slash... Clean management, up, yeah, management, right. operations, like, let's talk about processes, because clearly we got something wrong. So I don't ever, you can't put me in a lane. I'm like, I'm not going to come up in and clean up your communication situation and let you tell me that that's the only thing I can do. If that's all you want, and you don't want me to tell you the hard stuff, you don't want me to be honest with you and say, yeah, that was wrong. Don't do that anymore. Yeah. Then find someone else because that that's what I do. I I do the whole thing, right? I'm the I'm the person who's going to help you through the communication thing. We all make mistakes. You have to apologize. And then just don't do it anymore. Where's <laughs> to live by? That's right. That's right. <clears throat> So you've said that comes very naturally to you, that you don't have, you know, there's no like, oh, uh, I'm Oh, there not is. Sure. Sometimes, of course, everybody has that. But there's enough of that confidence in this needs to be said to say it. So, um, you know, we have a wide audience. And so there could be some folks out there who are thinking about 
gosh, I need, you know, I need to have that hard conversation, whether it's with myself or my business partner or whatever it is, but I really hesitate to do that. And so tell me a little bit about, you know, how do they go about that from a communication standpoint? You were talking about all the things, right, that you need to think about and look about and be aware of. How does somebody have that hard conversation when they're, even sometimes with themselves, especially as an entrepreneur, sometimes it's just you and you and you, but you still need to be able to play both sides or however many sides there are to a scenario and say, okay, let's get down and dirty and get this figured out. Well, I have to do that with myself for sure. And and those are the hardest conversations. So there's personal ones where you say, okay, listen, Brandy, you're kind of sucking at this, right? Like we're not all great at everything and we need help. And so, okay, realizing that you actually are not doing the best you you're not doing it as well as you want to right um and that you need help i think that stems from honesty i think we have to stop being afraid to be honest with ourselves and we also have to give ourselves forgiveness for not being perfect that's the hard part right that's the stuff that's really hard i i know a couple people um of course i would never say names but they just inherently don't seem to be super honest with themselves. One of the one of the examples I, I give is that I know this one person who always says, oh, that is the best cup of coffee I've ever had. And inherently, it is not. It is a terrible cup of coffee. I drank it. It's real bad. <laughs> so that is not the best cup of coffee you've ever had. And I don't know. I, I know you're trying to be polite. But couldn't you just not say that at all? Because that wasn't true. And everybody in the room knows it's not true. And you should know it's not true. So do you, are you letting yourself believe that it's true? Right? That's a silly example. But it drives me crazy every time I hear it. I think, are you just not being honest with yourself? Are you afraid to even internally speak the truth? Right? But the second piece of that has to be forgiveness. So you can't constantly beat yourself up and say, man, the truth is I'm terrible at this. And then not forgive yourself for not being able to keep all the balls in the air. Because mm-hmm. I can't. I can't keep all the balls in the air. I just can't. So I'm going to try to figure out and be honest with myself about the things. I'm going to give myself permission to be honest and then give myself permission to fail. And then just fix it. Right? Like buying, like selling the house. I bought the house. It didn't work out. I'm going to sell the house, right? I tried something. I wasn't very good at it. I don't think it's worth my time to get better at it. I'm going to find somebody else to help me, right? And then I'm going to try to keep all the balls in the air again. And that's that's kind of how I see it, you know, having those difficult conversations. Now, from a communication standpoint, how do you do it? Uh, you, I talk to myself, believe it or not. <laughs> I talk aloud. I look at myself in the mirror, I talk to myself, I talk to imaginary people, and I say it as I would say it. Um, I say it as I would say it on TV, on camera. Um, I just go over it and over and over it until I can say it in a way that doesn't make me go, ooh, or wouldn't make someone else go, ooh, yikes, that's a scary, that's a scary thing to say. So I practice it. And then you compliment sandwich. And that's not cheesy. You can do that well. 
where you start off with one conversation that's a little easier. You get to the heart of what you're trying to do and then you look forward. What are we gonna do together? How are we gonna fix it? How's it gonna be better in the future? Never just leave it hanging right out there and let that person walk away not thinking you care about them. Right, so having a little bit of that sensitivity. And honestly, I have to learn that. Sometimes I'm just not very sensitive sometimes. And so sometimes I have to I have to teach myself, I have to train myself to do that last part. You just jumped in the middle, Brandy. Take a few steps back, <laughs> start at the beginning, get to the, the meat, and then let's work through our relationship and let's make sure our relationship is intact before we move on. I think all that's wonderful advice and, and very, very, you know, true and, and applicable in, in so many different situations. Um, we, it doesn't have to be the last question of the podcast, but one of the ways we like to, to wind these things down is to kind of turn the floor over to our guest. Um, oftentimes with the little questionnaire we send over as kind of a basis, you might have something in your mind. You might think, oh, I hope we talk about this. I hope we talk about that. And we didn't get to it. Or there was a topic that just came up that I'm really you know, want to want to be forward about. So we just like to make sure that we cover all our bases and turn the floor over to our guests for a minute. Okay, well, here's a little blurb about that, turning it over to the guests. So whenever I media train anyone, so this is a lesson for anybody who's ever going to be on camera. And whenever the reporter says, do you have anything else to add? The responses I give is always say something, even if you're just repeating yourself, because usually you say it the best in that last little succinct thing. So you started talking, and I was like, crud, I didn't think through that. I didn't train myself <laughs> I didn't prep. I didn't prep the speech for the last question. Woof. So, uh, yikes, I should have. Um, <laughs> in terms of things that I really am impressed by, though, in this ecosystem has been the intense way that this community wants to help others and the way in which, um, you know, the entrepreneurial, but also larger businesses, how connected they are to one another. I've been so surprised by that because I had spent so much of my time in academia. I didn't get to really jump into this sort of corporate business side. And while I'm probably not a, a super corporate person, probably never going to fit great in that sort of real real structured corporate world, uh, the ecosystem around here is pretty fantastic and so welcoming. And I've been really, really thrilled to be part of it. That's awesome. Well, we are very glad that you stumbled upon the hub, <laughs> your friend, and had the conversation, and the rest is history, as they said. But I didn't even remember. Yeah, That's all right. <laughs> that's right. I mean, it all brought you to here, and that's what's important. Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're really excited. We've had um, guests. We've focused on hub clients and board members and investors, and it's been a really rich mix of different folks that have had different experiences, but the one common thing is that everybody has a passion for our community. 
And that's evident in everything that you do, in the energy that you bring to your work, whether that be um, your work now with Ready or in your own business or just in your life in general. And so it's a real, it, as you say that the hub energizes you, it's the hub clients that do a really great job of keeping us energized as well. So we're very thankful for that. Yeah. Well, thanks. It's great to be here too. Awesome. Well, we're going to wrap up uh, episode 19 of the I Am Ready podcast. Uh, we come to you in your news links, so that's a good place to check it out. Uh, and again, I will do the drop the tease of super secret things happening here as we as we record this podcast. Um, so you might be seeing seeing more of the podcast uh, around uh, in ways that I don't think Lisa and I ever anticipated would happen. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> um, but uh, we appreciate uh, Brandy uh, pushing that envelope for us and and making us. Uh, get outside our comfort zone a little bit. and uh, But we'll have more I Am Ready podcasts as we go. We're going to record a bunch of episodes here and, and, and line folks up and, and get them all recorded and edited and out to you uh, as our schedule allows. So, Brandy, again, thank you so much for coming on episode 19. Thank you. And we'll wrap up here and see you again soon. <laughs>